still, it's not started. It's starting. It's not doing anything yet. Okay, go. So, what at, at the at the last show? Mm-hmm. Normally, there's this this bartender there. She's always there, but she wasn't there this time. It was a new guy. His name was Judson. And Judson goes, comes up to me and he goes, I go, hi, my name's Brent. And he goes, hi, my name's Judson. He goes, aren't, didn't you do that show? You know, it's like, well, I do a show here, you know, once a month, every Wednesday. And he goes, no, aren't you on a podcast? And I go, yeah. And he, and, and he, and I go, and I go, are you sure it's me? And he goes, well, he goes, what podcast are you on? And I was like, Sound Pollution Podcast. He goes, is that that one that was doing the benefit at Round Rock Ricks? I go, yeah, we were involved with that. Mm. He goes, awesome. He goes, my generation really likes podcasts. And I was like, cool. I go, you're the first person I've ever met. That, that like, recognized you. And also met the podcast before he met me. How'd that make you feel? Was it crazy? It was weird. I, I, I haven't must... had it happen yet, man. Because <laughs> uh, I hadn't had someone come up to me and go, Aren't you, you know, that show? or anything like that. That's so fucking cool. It's very cool. See, I told you that was going to be an important thing we did. This is my I told you so moment. You did all of that. I just showed the fuck up. What are you talking about? I just showed up. That was all your hard work. You were on the ground floor, baby. I didn't get Bumper to show up. I didn't get Andy to show up. I bet you did all the ground floor stuff yeah. that I couldn't do. Well, it and you brought Round Rock Rick and I did. the wonderful trashy Annie, whom I who was just a godsend. Yes, she saved our bacon's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with all the cancels we had, so that was pretty cool. She was a good headliner. She is a good headliner. She's a, she's a, she's doing really good. Good. She is. She looks like she's about to take a break too. So. Yeah, I think she played, maybe it was last night she played her last show, I think. So we're so, hey, that's awesome. I'm really excited that somebody recognized you. That makes, that makes my whole day. So this is this is Raynell. Raynell. Hey, uh, hey, honey. This is one of the greatest musicians to ever walk the face of Presidential Glenn. That that might be true. That that, that is true. true because I was the only other guitarist there, and we both know I suck. Oh my god! Stop it. She has problems with self-deprecation. D- what did you, what was that word that you slurred? What's in your coffee cup? Self. <laughs> but Brent, I always tell you, you got to look on the bright side. I mean, dude, you suck really well. I know oh, I'm the there best. You go. You're the best at sucking. I'm the best at sucking. <laughs> That's There's how I know so much there. about my balls. Ding, ding. Oh my god! We hit all the bells and whistles on that one. Nope. There's one more. You're missing one more. <laughs> Just get it out of the way. He has nice, beautiful, flowing hair, doesn't he, Brent? He doesn't. I've seen him without his cap. That hair is like glued to it's his just, cap. Oh, or it's not just, it's like <laughs> no, just it's, a ring. Yeah. It's just the a moment glued is attached to the cap. To the cap. It comes off with that. But he does have a good beard, though. 
it, it it's like it never changes colors. It's always black. No matter so how old he gets, it's always black. No, I've gone up a shade. Have you? Recently. Not like you when we what? first met. You would always dye your hair and trim. You'd look so nice. Well, it's really nice to see you because it reminds me that you still don't have hair. That's right. <laughs> yes, I yes. I do not. We hear about not. it a lot. Yeah, it's a thing now. You're just lucky your head is shaped very nicely. It is. That's true. It is. It is beautiful. We've got no lumps on it. No, exactly. Well, wait, I have a question. How did you guys meet? Well, we were young and I needed the money. (laughs) The truth is, you just started stalking me. I did. I followed him in Walmart. I accosted him in Walmart. He'd show up when I was shopping. He'd show up at my work. He'd be... Just sending me messages, trying to text me and call me, showing up at my gigs, giving me weird looks. Carrying his gear out to the vehicle. Did you do that? I did. I oh, you. You're such a nice guy. Brent really helped me out. Um, but we met basically through the Big Gun Show, right? You were playing for the Big Gun Show, and I came to one of the shows. And Well, the first show I saw you at, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And why <laughs> is he playing playing in my band? <laughs> and then then i watched i watched him really close because i was like this guy who's this guy he's all trendy he's got a super trendy turned to the side so <clears throat> i was at a show actually it was during south by southwest y'all were playing the yeti the yeah. yeti store yeah right. that was your first show with them and i saw saw you there i didn't talk to you that was a good show because you're intimidating totally scary and then all and five then, seven of me. Then a month, a uh, month later. Yeah, but what you're not tall, you're wide. So there you go. <laughs> oh, good <thanks>. God! <laughs> so just so your ego doesn't get day. too big. What was that right now? I said, just so your ego doesn't get too big. He's like, here's all these compliments, you fat ass. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> thanks. I'm he used to it from He him. knows how beautiful he is. Let's just <laughs> let's get past that now, Ray. <laughs> anyway, I went to the second show. And by that point, I was I was okay that he was in the band because I heard his tone. See, the thing about Ray that's really incredible, other than his hairline, is his tone. And it doesn't matter what he's playing. He has the same tone. It's fat. It cuts through everything. Because there's this is a too-good-to-our band, drummer, bass player. Some, and I think that show, there was a keyboard player, too. Yeah, um, actually, it's three band. three guitar band, and he goes to do a solo, and he just like murders the other guitarist because he plays so good. And some of it is his tone, but some of it is the notes he chooses to play. And oh, so okay. right then and there, I just fell in love. I couldn't help it, and so I went and introduced myself. I started out with, uh, "Are those your wife's skinny pants you're wearing?" <laughs> lovely. <laughs> No, that, but that's how we met. And then later on. Well, the answer was, yes, they actually they are. are. I was going to ask, what well, what's the answer to that? I needed <laughs> to know. It was just, yeah, okay. Basically, we met at Walmart. <laughs> and then you stalked him. And the rest yeah. is history. Actually, it was well, I started following him on Instagram and stuff. And I noticed that he would make these funny posts. And he had this weird kind of off sense of humor that tickled a weird part of my brain, you know, that very few people tickle. And uh, <laughs> but he tickled it. Uh, yeah. And so I recently 
we moved out here to where we live out here. I don't want to say. Yeah, so we're at the, I was at the Walmart in town and I'm like freaking out because like I just had a baby and stuff or I was about to have a baby at that point. I don't even remember. Yeah, you had just had the baby. You're still trying to shed that that weight. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm still to this day, two and a half years later. I think, I think I found some of it. I'm sure you did. So anyway, we were walking towards I each other in Walmart and I saw him and I was like, that's Ray motherfucking Canes. And so, and I had my daughter in the cart. So I pretty much walked up to, to him and said, Hey, I don't have a guitarist. You want to be in my band? And he goes, yes, I do. I have bills and you can help me pay them. And that's how it all started. That was when we really clicked. So I have a question for you, Ray. So how did you get the nickname Miguel and Miguel? It's not really my nickname, you know. It's it was a uh, it was my uh, my stage name, if you will. I played the character of Miguel in a TV show, nationally syndicated TV show. I mean, and by show, I mean a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> was it for gonorrhea? No, sorry, <laughs> that was a different one. I, w- I was my name was. Gertrude in that one. <laughs> so, so you're Miguel in a commercial? Yeah, I was uh, Miguel the, the mandolin maker. Wasn't that your first parenting experience? Parenting? Yeah, weren't you a parent? Oh, yeah, I had a, a son. How old was he? Uh, he was a teenager. I don't know, maybe 15. Must have been a rough In birth. real life, he was like, I think he was a freshman in college. <laughs> Anyway, so that was kind of cool, I thought. Yeah, it was uh, pretty, um, uh, yeah, it just kind of fell in my lap. And uh, I had a baby coming, and it was just enough money to pay for the baby. On to the music. What what got you interested in being a musician in the first place? Being a loner and being forced to take piano lessons from like four years old. And uh, I was really into piano even though I was forced to do it. I wasn't so much into the things that I was forced to do, but I was Mm -hmm. really intrigued about just music and like just the way it works, you know? And like when I'd be playing like Bach fugues, I would just be amazed. Like there'd just be like these two lines happening, just two notes happening. And sometimes just one, sometimes two, but just these two lines going on, but it creates so much harmony and so much stuff from just these two lines. And I was just like, music is just magical, how it can just, you know, and evoke so much emotion, whatever. So I was fascinated with music as a kid. I, I I didn't, I don't think I really decided to become a music. I I think there was a day, maybe I'll tell you about it, that I was like, yeah, maybe I should pursue this a little more seriously. But um, for a long time, it was just uh, something I loved to do. And I, I did, I was really more interested in like, as I got older, I started on piano and then I, I, my dad had a guitar laying around. And so, I, of course, I was interested in that. I started picking, messing around with that like in third grade, but I didn't really start playing until sixth grade. But again, I was just like screwing around. And then uh, my dad had a two track recorder. I started messing around with that uh, reel to reel um, where I can you know, record on the right side only and then mm-hmm. rewind it and then record on top of what I just recorded on the left side. You know, so I was like doing two track recording and I was like, this is cool. And then I got a 
cassette deck. And then I was like, hey, if I can record two tracks here and then I can take that and put it over to the cassette and then bring the cassette back onto one side and do add another track here and then do it again, I can have infinite tracks. You were multi-tracking at the age of six? Well, no, I was doing this um, probably like freshman in high school. Eighth grade freshman in high school. That's impressive. I was doing that kind of stuff. And you just were just like this, I can do this. What I kind of saw with the piano, I can kind of do that with recording. Exactly. I could put all these different lines and all these different Mm -hmm. layers Mm -hmm. in there and um, that I couldn't do with just, you know, playing. So, yeah, I was really into recording. You know, of course, before that, I was like fascinated with like Kiss. I loved Kiss when I was like in fourth grade. You know, <laughs> that was like my Beatles, you know, you know, you know what? Yeah. I, I can hear Paul's Paul's influence in your vocals. Paul Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. You your vocal lines in your original stuff is all pretty high. Yeah, I, I guess I like to sing in my upper register, although um, I try to sing in. Well, I should say, like, as I get older, I find myself singing more quietly in a lower register just because. You know, there's a baby in the house and I can't <laughs> hide and screaming anymore. They change you know? everything. Every, yeah. And it, it doesn't tot- stop. They yeah. totally ruin your life. <laughs> they do not ruin My your life. My life has been ruined since the 1990s. God, every well, keep, decade. Keep one doing comes, it. I have a problem and I'm going to keep this one. Just one? It looks by the look at your stomach. It looks like it might be triplets. Oh. <laughs> tell you, oh, that's God. just mean. That's just mean, Ray. So you said there was a like a moment where you were like, I should really focus on. Yeah. All right. So let me tell you what was going on. Is it on. like was, an aha hey. moment or it was, was it really. more like, like, more oh, about, shit, like I like could a, really do this. Hey, you know, yeah, I think I could really do this kind of a thing. Okay. And uh, yeah, I had a computer job and it was cool for a while. And then um, a bunch of stuff happened and yada, yada. I got laid How old off. were you? Huh? How old were you? This was like uh, late 20s through the early 30s. And uh, and while I had that computer job, I was very involved with musical projects and uh, writing music for commercials and playing out and, you know, playing live and um, touring and blah, 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 blah. Got laid off on a computer job, started trying on un- unemployment. So you got to go to the unemployment office, right? And uh, I had to so talk to the guy and... He's looking at, you know, my income report and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, I see you're, you know, you work for, you work for a computer place, blah, blah, blah. And you made that amount of money. And it's like, but what's all this other stuff over here I see? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I told him I, I do music and blah, 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 and what I was doing. And he's like, well, geez, sorry, why don't, why don't you just do that? <laughs> <laughs> the unemployment <laughs> office told you that. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That that's not through self introspection. That's like someone else going, "Hey, dummy." <laughs> yeah, let me connect the dots for you because you're right. not paying attention. Exactly. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I will just try that. Is so it- yeah, I had a little time to figure out this music thing. Well, is that the time you went to Europe and toured, and you were like a big rock star? Yeah, I remember the time I was in a park. This was somewhere in Norway. 
and our posters were posted everywhere of the band, you know, mm-hmm. and this girl. And I was like waiting in line to get ice cream. It was a beautiful day and this park was beautiful. Everyone was out. And this little girl, she's standing like right next to me. She's like looking at the poster, looking back over at me, looking at the poster, looking out over at me. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. And then she went and told her mom. Did you go to school and study music or did you just do all this kind of like, you're just like, oh, I can do this and just kind of figure stuff out as far as playing and multi-track recording? Of course, you know, with anything, you really learn when you figure it out. And no matter what you learn in school, you don't learn until you're out there doing it. And that's when you really learn. But to answer your question, yeah, I went to school. You asked if I studied, if I went to school and studied. Well, to me, those are two different things. I went to school. Same. <laughs> I didn't do much studying at school. You what know? did you? So, did you go to like college and do that, or was it just like yeah. in high school? <laughs> yeah, no, I went to college. I got a, a degree in, in uh, music composition and instrumental performance. Oh wow! That's just That's awesome. It, it sounds freaking fancy on it paper. It does. It sounds amazing. No, it's just going to Columbia College in Chicago until you get enough credits, and then you can get out and give yourself whatever degree you want. So that's what <laughs> I mean, basically. I mean, that's what it felt like anyway. But it was fun, and no, I learned a lot in college, and it was a, a lot with the, the people that I was I was with. Um, the faculty was great. I was just again, I don't know. I did well. I learned a lot. I did. Um, but I was kind of a, a, a an underachiever. I was looked at as an underachiever, even though I was I had a lot going on. I was playing in like two or three bands at that time outside of school and working and teaching. And uh, yeah, I had a lot going on. Ray, I'm pretty familiar with all your stuff and what you've written. And so I know that you can write a bunch of diverse things. But why don't you tell us a little bit about Bells and Whistles? That's a song. It was a song that was going to be on a B-side because, I don't know if you noticed, there's a lot of words that start with B. It's a song brought to you by the letter B. So it was going to be You did that on purpose, didn't you? I sure did. The other thing that I noticed was, this is probably one of your more jovial songs. Yeah. The other thing is, when you hit the chorus of the chorus progression and the vocals, did you rip off Billy Joel on that? You know, no, I did rip off somebody. It sounds exactly like Billy Joel. Wow. Well, maybe Billy Joel also, or maybe 38 Special ripped off Billy Joel, because I was thinking of a 38 Special song, actually. I wasn't uh, thinking of it. I just played yeah, the progression, yeah. and I was like, damn, this sounds just like a 38 Special song, but I don't care. I'm going with it. It's the play between your vocals and the chord progression that makes it sound like Billy Joel. Okay. It's how to you make the sing. Progression alone was a little 38 specialist. Yeah. My you want to know what my favorite lyric was from that one? Was that? Bells and whistles below the belt. <laughs> of course I mean, that's your favorite you, line. You know the other cool part of that was it sounded like you had actual bells and then congas too. That bells was, and I tried to put some whistles in there too. You know, another thing I like about what you do is you are so sarcastic and dry humored. <laughs> That, that not only in your songs, but even when you're talking to people on Facebook, <laughs> stuff that I kind of think about, oh, I'm going to make this song have a bunch of bees in it because this is what I'm feeling. And then I'm going to market it as a B-side song. <laughs> that's, that's like fully taking everything and 
you seem to me whenever you sit down to create something, you just go, okay, I'm going to take this rabbit hole. Just kind of go and you don't restrict yourself in any way at all. That's what I think is what makes you so talented as a songwriter. Uh, yeah, going down that rabbit hole, kind of like, you know, some songs come to me um, just at least my favorite ones, they all just come at once and it's hard to, you know, write it down fast enough, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but this song um, is is really kind of more of a result of my college training and what I learned, you know, uh, in, in composition class. And, and we really learned how to force creativity in a way. Or as uh, uh, Jack Black says in the, those, uh, what band? Tenacious D, those HBO oh. shows. Mm-hmm. Manufacture Inspirado. And Bells and Whistles is one of those songs where it's kind of just more crafted, you know, on, on the musical level, on the production level, on the lyrical level, where it's like, yeah, I have this this thing in mind, this B thing, whatever. Um, and yeah, let's let's go there.
So is that what your songwriting process is always like? You're like, I have this idea, I'm going to make it happen. And you kind of take in your college training or is it sometimes just really, you know, out of nowhere and you've got to like whip out the recorder while you're driving down the street? Yeah, there's a lot of times. And those that's when it when I feel it's special, um, where it's really just coming from somewhere else. Well, it's a spark of genius. It's that that spark of life, spark of genius that you can't control. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, you know, every creative person has experienced that. And that's you kind of where you want to be all the time, but you can't. So when you can't, you have to manufacture inspirato. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I have a follow-up question. So when you normally write, it seems like you're inspired by two things, anger or frustration and something that just kind of tickles your funny. Is that? <laughs> well, it, it, yes, I have been. Most of my songs throughout my life have been triggered by anger or, or something that ticks me off. Uh, injustices that I see in the world every day and that continue to go on, blah, blah, blah. And that seems like we can't do anything about it. And it's frustrating. And it happens on so many levels. And it can be completely overwhelming if you have you know, anyway. But that's why you attack people online, correct? (laughs) (laughs) How many times have you been in Facebook jail? (laughs) Zero. I've been in Facebook jail zero times. He is so sarcastic and dry. The people don't even know they're being put down half the time. (laughs) That's genius. Because I'll be sitting at home reading it and I'll be like, ouch, that one's going to leave a mark. But as I get older, I'm trying not to be that angry young man anymore. And really, like like um, Raynell said, but kids change your life. Kids change everything. And yeah. she's really, uh, um, you know, I'm just getting older. I'm calming down just naturally. But she just brings a, a peace about everything that is just um, that I've never experienced before. And uh, it's just a great thing. Well, so I'm, I'm really trying to see, and it, she's really opened my eyes to a lot of things. And, you know, I, I have a totally different perspective on life now. You know, all those cliches they say when, you know, before you have a kid, they say, oh, yeah, it changes your life, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, it really does. And they're all true, blah, blah, blah. Ray, how many bands are you in right now? A few. I play with the Big Gun Show. Love playing with those guys. Gunner, if you're listening, I love playing with you, brother. Um yeah, it's a fun band. And we have a new single out. It's called Chicago. You should go to Spotify and look up the Big Gun Show. Single is called Chicago. And you should play it. Did you? Uh, over, and over and over. Over and over, damn it. Did you, uh, Ray, did you have anything to do with that song? Because I know Gunner writes most of the music. Did you have yeah, anything Gunner's, to do with that? Gunner's a, a primary uh, writer. Yeah, but we we were all in that, in that room of... Uh, uh, for uh, massaging that song a lot, and uh, yeah, that was a that was a really good group effort. Let's talk about one of the other ones you sent us. Let's talk about "Smoke a Pipe." I really liked that. Oh uh, yeah, sound in that song it had a good groove. I have so a question. Funny. No, I have a question. No. Were you trying to get radio play with that? I wasn't trying to do anything. No, I. What happened was I always I used to go over to my uncle Johnny's house, and he would be laying on his couch smoking a pipe and he'd have some like sweet 
tobacco in there. And I just, I just love the aroma of that pipe, you know, and in his house. So, uh, you know, I got to be a, a man of adult age and I was like, I'm going to smoke a pipe. <laughs> so I trotted on over to the pipe store and I bought myself a, a, a what is it? A Sassini four dot bulldog. It was this little stubby. It was beautiful. It was like walnut or something. I don't remember. It was a beautiful pipe. And but it was like kind of short and stubby. It looked like a little bulldog. And not really, but it was like stubby like a bulldog. And I bought all these tobaccos and went home and started smoking a pipe. And I thought I was the shit. And I thought I, it made me feel real cool. But yeah, and then my wife did actually, my wife at the time. Wait, no, she wasn't my wife at that time. It was before we got married. And she was still complaining. But yeah, she was like, don't smoke that in the house. She's like, you're so, the only one who likes the smell of that shit. Exactly. exactly. I love the smell of pipes. I think they smell great, man. Right? Me too. Um, so I was going to ask you, there are a lot of lyrics in that song. I mean, mm-hmm. your other yeah. songs at least have a chorus, but your chorus in this one changes multiple times too, I think. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're almost like a rapper in this one, in my opinion. <laughs> There is genuine wordplay. Yeah, there's a lot of it in there. Yeah, there's it's just a whimsical uh, a song uh, talking about a, a pipe and in a pipe in weird situations, you know. And whether I'm jogging or riding my bike to smoke is just to feel all right, you know. Yeah, who smokes when they're doing that? Um, but a lot of it was uh, actually all of it was written while I was smoking a pipe, sitting on the pot. <laughs> See, I heard it and I did not think we were smoking tobacco. That's fine. That's just me. Had uh, that. I made some specific references, but I kind of figured it would be taken many ways. I took it that way. Good. There was only That's one fine. way to take that song, Ray. <laughs> there is, and in Austin, oh, <laughs> you right? know which way it was taken. Sherlock Holmes I smoke a pipe When I'm on the road It makes me feel like I'm right at home Until my girl Starts that bitch and moan So I'll just have to smoke And talk all alone I think I'll even take The hook off the phone SJ Soon you'll 
smoke a pipe. Have you tried to push that song at all? Um, like get it out there more or anything like that? Uh, well, I, I did get contacted by some people in a smoking group somewhere. Yeah, they were like asking about, hey, where can I get the song? And I was like, here. And I emailed it to them and they're like, thanks. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I don't, I don't really promote or push my songs. Why not? Because they're out on the internet and people will find them. And, you know, this is one of the things, discussions we've had a lot of times where I think you're talented enough to seriously go out there and be an artist of your own and actually make money. But you always look at me like I'm crazy. Why is that? Because you're crazy, man. <laughs> no, um, no, I got, I got some things. I'm I'm kind of working on right now, and I haven't talked to you about. Cool. Yeah. Can you tell me? I now? can't really talk about it right now. Oh, it sounds like me... a future interview to me down the road. Oh no! no. It, yes, for sure, for Thanks. sure. So before we get on what's what you're doing in the future and stuff like that, tell us about the living and the dead. All right. It actually started off. I was like watching a lot of these YouTube videos about. Um, uh, how the court system is based on like maritime law or something like that. And like, they have all these maritime uh, analogies in the courthouse and in the courtroom and all these things. And, and he was just talking about how like, Hey, it was just kind of getting crazy and, and how the, the government is so removed from everything. And that's why I have to hire a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it just got me thinking about, yeah, you know, how everything kind of is upside down. And how everything, um, especially now, where people are people are saying that they don't know who to, who to trust, they don't know who to believe, they don't know they can't trust the media um, and all this stuff. And and yeah, uh, the media today does have a bias on both sides, and there are some that are a little more in the middle. But um, yeah, it's ratings and all this other stuff. And so this song is kind of like you know, there's a lot of stuff in the world that's going on, and there's a lot of distractions going on. But you know what? At the end of the day, uh, we're all going to wind up dead. And in the meantime, why do we have to make it so sucky? So can't we just love, you know? And at the end of the song, I go through that 
let's let love roll, you know, let's let love in, you know, uh, let's let love heal, you know, can we please <laughs> do this before it's too late? Literally, because you're all y'all are killing me. Exactly. Yeah, no, I really liked the message in that song. I think the vein of that is a lot of what when you're writing on social media that I catch your general frustration with different people and different ideas that are not about that. So the other thing I noticed, thank you for fucking finally playing a solo. Oh yeah. (laughs) Brent pointed that out to me. He's like, that's the only time. Oh, that's right. Uh, I guess I sent you uh Two other songs that didn't even have guitar solos in there. They I didn't did even realize that. Tell us about your signature guitar line and where can we get one? <laughs> I'd love to tell you about my uh, guitar. Um, it's made by Chuck Thornton. C.P. Thornton. C-H-O-R-N-T-O-N. Thornton. Um, yeah, Chuck made my guitar. Uh, he called me up one day and said he wanted to build me a guitar and I was uh, didn't want to uh, stop him from doing so. So uh, uh, it's a beautiful guitar made out of Nootka cedar, old growth Nootka cedar. It's grown up in uh, uh, Alaska, and it's super light, super resonant, torfied neck, harmonic design pickups. It looks badass. It's got a two tone hot rod finish, black and gold. Nice. You know what's crazy about that, isn't? is your tone is very similar on that one and your other guitars. Your tone, your tone just stays the same regardless of what you play. That's that what, cause that guitar, how much is that worth? $10,000? Oh, 40 after I've been playing it. Of no. course. Yeah. But <laughs> let's say no, those guitars, guitar. well, that guitar is available at awesome guitar house and you can go on awesome guitar house's website at awesome and look up CP Thornton and you can see the guitars and how much well, they are. Isn't that a custom guitar? I mean, it was made to your specs, correct? Every guitar that, well, I work at Awesome Guitar House, just to let you know and disclose that. Um, but every guitar that we order is a custom guitar. Uh, yeah, Chuck asked me what what I wanted, how I wanted it to look, what pickups I wanted, and blah, blah, blah. blah. And, and uh, he made it the way I wanted it. And it's Maybe. I love it. It's my most favorite guitar of all time. I'm afraid to go into the place you work. Yeah, stuff. it sounds it sounds like it could be dangerous. Um, it's it's a fun dangerous. It's not dangerous like, you know, I'm going to get addicted to coke and, and lose my No, mistake. it's it's dangerous like I won't be able to pay rent because I'm going to spend too much money. Or or, <laughs> or or you accidentally ding something and then you're bankrupt because what's what's the price range of the guitars in your shop? Guitars started at around 2000 and go up from there. To what? I think we have a guitar now that's uh, like 89000 because it's very rare. What is it? It's a Zemitis made by Tony Zemitis. Zemitis was a, uh, a luthier that uh, made a lot of guitars for like the guys in the Rolling Stones and for Jimi Hendrix and, uh, um, you know, guys of that ilk. And uh, very, very specialized guitars. Um, the one that we have has a has a pearl top, and it's has, has a mosaic made of all these little pieces of mosaic pearl and abalone. And oh, I bet that's pretty. Yeah, it's 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 exquisite, and it sounds amazing. It's not just a pretty face; it sounds amazing. It sounds good. Um, but yeah, every every guitar that he made, it was 
you made them one at a time and uh, they're all handmade and um, this one was a, a very special one.
is your process to write a song different as far as when you're writing solo as to co-writing? How, how do you, oh. how is it different between the two? Yeah. It kind of depends on who you're writing with and, and everything. It's, it's, it's such a weird dynamic and it's never the same, you know, and even just writing by myself is that's never really the same, but you know, there are kind of some grooves that you kind of fall into here and there. When, when, it, when it just hits you, it just hits you. And that's, that's the best. Right. You know? But if you're co-writing, it may not hit you. It hits someone else. And how do you contribute to what hit them? Yeah. I mean, of course, you, you, you got to get into the song, you know, got to talk to, you know, if so whoever's writing the lyrics, you know, if the lyrics are written, you know, I kind of want to know what, what's going on behind the, the lyrics. And, uh, you know, and just talk about textures and, you know, how, how, what do you want to convey and just kind of I, I, I try to I try to work top down. You know, some people want to get into the details right away. I like to start with what kind of vibe are we here? You know, what, what's going on? And that means a lot of things, you know, and, and if it's just musical ideas, I, I I try to to gravitate towards like themes and 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 reoccurring lines and, and things and or maybe borrowed things from the melody or something like that or you know hooks and you only got so much time to grab somebody's attention you know in, in, in three minutes and and you got to drive it home you can't just put it out there and then put another idea out there you got to put a great idea out there and then drive it home in three minutes without making it sound like you're just being totally repetitive you know there's a there's a craft to that and it's fun uh, and it's never the same, but as long as you kind of know where you're going and kind of know what kind of feel you want to give it, to me, the details, then it's easier to decide on the details. You know, mm -hmm. I got, I, I work top, top down, or sometimes you give me one little idea, give me one little musical thing and let's explode that. Let's take that one idea. I mean, and I, I used to use this example when I was giving lessons all the time, uh, when, when I was trying to explain the idea of uh, uh, motifs, you know, mus musical motifs and, and, and uh, rhythmic motifs. And the best example is Beethoven's fifth. Fifth, fifth, fifths. Beethoven's <laughs> fifth. Sorry, my mouth's not working. Um, you know, whereas, da na na na. Right. And what's the next thing? Da, na, 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 na. It's the same thing, just different notes. Then, da, na, 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 da, na, 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 na. It's the same thing going on over and over again. Da, na, 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 <laughs> I've never heard it explained like that. It's so true. That is awesome, man. Oh you God. should be a teacher again. What? What? That, that thing I told you I don't want to talk about kind of involves that a little bit. Oh. Okay. Well, I think that's a that's a great teaching tool. The other thing I wanted to ask: I've seen you perform probably with four or five different bands, and but what is your approach to that? Because some of the bands have different kind of swing. Some of them don't have swing at all. Some of them are highly technical. How do you how do you navigate that? Fortunately, all those bands love my five riffs. That's helpful. Yeah. 
and they don't mind hearing them over and over and over again. No, it's uh well for one thing I I kind of get bored easily. Um, I keep lead sheets on my iPhone and I I mount that on my mic stand. So where can people uh, learn more about you and find your music? You can go to uh, raykanes.com. That's R-A-Y-K-A-I-N as in Nancy, Z as in zebra.com. And uh, that's my website. You can find all links to my social media there, you know, where I'll be playing and all that. What if they want to actually come and see you and talk to you? Where can they go? Let's say yeah, you, Tuesday to Saturday. Where can oh, they yeah. They can go to Austin Guitar House uh, on uh, East 12th Street on the east side of Austin, Texas. And one one more final question, at least on my end. I don't know if Brent has questions or not. I have more not. questions, damn it. Well, that sucks. Uh, <laughs> this is one I like to ask people, um, especially somebody who has had such as much experience and education as you. What would you tell somebody who was n- new to the music scene, new to songwriting? What would you say to them? What advice would you give? I, I say as a songwriter, I think you need the ability to extract from your own life and examine your own life and extract from it on an intellectual level and on an emotional level and put that into words. Um, That's so important. But then also don't forget about the craft of songwriting. I like that. Um, And I think there's that, that's that sort of being lost, but I I still hear, I like melodies, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of songs that are very um, sort of a little more hypnotic, if you will. And I, I, I like it. You know, it's not like every song needs to have this, but um, no matter what kind of style or what kind of uh, emotion you're trying to evoke, you know, uh, there's, there's a craft to it. Um, and don't ignore that. But at the bottom line, it's just really whatever. It's, it's just dig down deep, dig down deep in your heart. Think about things, um, examine things uh, and, and, and put it into words, you know, um, but just be true, be true to yourself. And that's the thing. Uh, don't let, don't try to, you know, you know, are you going to write this kind of song or write this kind of song? Just write, write any kind of song, write every kind of song, write the same song a million different ways, you know, just write and do it in an experiment and don't be afraid. You so. know, you know, what's funny about that is you're talking about a lot of introspection and yeah. being cerebral about it, but then a person from the well, uh, from the unemployment office, had to tell you, hey, uh, he brought it back. <laughs> right, everybody, that was episode 62 of Sound Pollution featuring Ray Canes. I want to thank you so much again for being on the show and giving me and Brent your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, all the links to his social media, his websites, and his music are down below. Make sure you click on them. Make sure you show this artist some love and affection. Uh, real quick, listeners, we need you to do us a favor. I'm loving that I'm seeing downloads and listens go up, 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 up. It's It means so much to me after over a year of very hard work. Now I need to ask that you subscribe. You actually subscribing to the show on your listening platforms is going to help us get sponsors and it's going to help us be able to keep the show moving forward and moving in the right direction. Um, So if you could do that, I would super appreciate it. Make sure you tune in next week. Get out there and remember, make some noise.